Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. Happy uh, Tuesday. Thursday, good Lord. And happy first day of November to you. Happy first day of November. Hopefully, the year has been kind to you. Hopefully, you're not in a diabetic coma from stealing your kids' candy. Eh, You know what? Hell with it. You're the adult. If you want to steal their candy, steal their candy. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome to the program. It is a joy to be here the day after Halloween. Usually the day, well, usually Halloween morning, we're watching people when I was a kid look at the ash heaps in their neighborhood when we called it Devil's Night the day before Halloween. But eh, they don't seem to be burning Detroit anymore. I hope you had a good one. We've got an action-packed program for you. First, let me tell you about patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. That's where you want to go. That's where you need to go. That's where you should go. Alleviate that guilty conscience of all the beautiful free content that you've been getting here just for the low, low price of five bucks a month, a little hat tip show the support for the program, and enter to win the signed books. The uh, signed Michelle Malkin, who built that, versus Judge Janine Pirro, also signed Liars, Leakers, and Liberals. Somebody's going to win one of those this week. Why not you? I mean, unless you don't, if you don't deserve it. If you don't deserve it, then, you know, tell me. But you deserve it. No matter what you've done, you deserve it. I appreciate the support. Appreciate all that you guys do, and thanks for listening. Now, there is a lot going on, and we've got to start off. I've had time to digest. When last we spoke, there was some information available about this attack that it had happened. But what did that mean, and where did it, blah, 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 and yakety-schmackety, and all that stuff, all the details. I don't like these These stories are worthless to begin with in the first 24 to 48 hours. Why? Because nobody knows anything. And yet, that doesn't stop people from reporting them. It's weird because, you know, you you travel across the country with a gun and a knife and arsenal and zip ties and everything, and you fully plan on murdering Supreme Court justices because of their politics. And that gets, you know, a page 7a right up in the local newspaper crime story you know it's not like he managed to stab anybody i also the democratic media doesn't want to admit that they spawned someone like the guy who tried to kill brett kavanaugh and make no mistake they spawned him they're not embarrassed that they spawned him they're mad that he failed right they're mad that he had that meltdown They got him 90% of the way there. They got him across the country. They had him armed. He was ready to go. And then he ended up turning himself in because he uh, regained some semblance of his senses. You're sitting there going, oh, my liberals especially. Derek, how can you say such a thing easily and with a clean conscience? You people are just the worst on the planet. And so spare me your self-righteous indignation. Like, give give me this. Give me a break. Because the second they knew anything about this attack, the second they knew this attack at the Pelosi estate, at the Pelosi manor, not the house of Paul, it's a freaking mansion, they immediately started to blame us. Not the guy who did it. Nope. 
not the guy who did it. Well, the guy who did it is uh, obviously mentally disabled. He's got some sort of mental problems. He's an illegal alien from Canada, so they can't really... The, the, they had to pounce quickly to try and set the narrative that it was all Republicans' fault before the truth had a chance to get out there. If the truth has a chance to get out there, my God, next thing you know, people will be going, huh, maybe this is just a crazy person. And then they could be looking at, what was this guy doing around with Paul Pelosi? And then that could lead to questions that nobody wants to answer. Nobody wants to have asked. So maybe, just maybe, that's what could be going on here. I mean, hell, there's as much evidence of that as there is of what the Democrats are saying. What I find really curious about this whole thing is San Francisco is a no-cash bail place. This guy didn't murder anybody. Why is he not being released? Why is there no cash bail? Why is there no, why isn't he out? Why haven't we heard a statement from him? Why don't we know anything? Where are his lawyers? Where are the lawyers with some kind of statement about this? It's weird to me that if you... See, because I'm used to the concept, anyway, that Democrats lie about equal justice under the law, when, in fact, they really want justice determined by all sorts of factors, like your skin color, your gender, your genitalia, your sexual orientation, whatever. They want your income. They want your... uh, fate to be determined by things other than anything you actually do. It's kind of gross, really. But that's who they are and what they've become. So when you attack some Asian lady on the street of New York or even the street of San Francisco, uh, you're out. As long as in as short a period of time as it takes to book you, you walk up to a random woman, elderly Asian woman, there's a lot of footage of that, and you just sucker punch her from behind. And you will be processed. They'll make a record of it. They'll make a little note. It'll be going on your permanent record, mister. Do not punch defenseless 87-year-old Asian women carrying their groceries home. That'll go on your record. But then your record is pushed aside and you're let out of prison. If you attack the spouse of the Speaker of the House... As long as, well, there's a caveat. As long as the Speaker of the House is a Democrat, then you shall be held indefinitely. The outrage over the prison population doesn't seem to really apply anymore. The idea of cash bail being a a thing that hinders that doesn't apply. Nothing. I don't even know if the guy's being held on cash bail at all. He's just disappeared right now. Where is he? Where is he? Where is anything on this guy? Well, we have some things on this guy, and the media is actively working to suppress as much of it as possible. They want to pick and choose which parts you get to learn. He lived in a house with a whole bunch of left-wing lunatics and Black Lives Matter activists. Does that sound like a typical right-winger? Do those people really strike you as the welcoming type? Look, uh, I recognize that you're a crazy homeless guy. But I also recognize that you don't think that Black Lives Matter. You refuse to get the tattoo Black Lives Matter across your arm or whatever. No. He's on the team. He's just crazy. Kind of tells you that 
you have to be kind of crazy to be on the team, doesn't it? I mean, like, honestly. Anyway, he lived among us and we didn't know anything about Where are the interviews with the people who lived with him? No offense, but this happened uh, a few days ago, right? We could know an awful lot about this guy. We don't. All we hear is he was into QAnon conspiracies. What QAnon conspiracies? Honestly, to this day, I'm not entirely sure what QAnon is, and nor do I care. So spare me that this is what QAnon I don't care. It just seems to be a catch-all at this point. I don't know that there is even a, a one sort of QAnon conspiracy out there that you could say, well, QAnons believe that space aliens come down and replace all their leaders and whatever. I don't know that that exists. But if there, if it does, you'd think the people would say that rather than go, they believe in QAnon. Okay, that's like saying they're extremists. Extremists what? Extremists how? How are they? Ex- no, no, no. You just It's with that knowing look that liberals look across each other at the table in Morning Joe and going, you know, he's, he's just an extremist. Oh, yeah, obviously, obviously an extremist. Horrible, horrible extremist. Well, none of them know what it means. It means everything to all of them. That's it. That's just how the left works. They just declare something to be, and they all kind of nod over their Chardonnays going, yeah, obviously. Obviously. It goes without saying, right? Obviously. And they just go on. It's weird because you watch the candidates try and campaign, these Democrats. It's like watching a baby giraffe try and take its first steps on a sheet of ice because they, they don't know how to communicate to people who are not them. And so, and I'm not just talking about Frankenstein up in Pennsylvania. Uncle Fester there can't string together a coherent sentence. Other Democrats can't string together a convincing sentence. They just can't. And so they sit there and talk about extremism. These violent extremists. Violent, okay, violent extremists. Because when you say violent extremists, a lot of images come to mind. Like, I don't know, trying to murder police officers with bricks. But that's not what they're talking about. They're not talking about their team when they uh, spent 100 straight days trying to murder police officers with bricks. They're talking about conservatives who went on a rampage for three and a half hours at the United States Capitol for one day. Those are their biggest threat to democracy. Mm. I think if you ask a cop who got hit in the head with a brick, what's a bigger threat to democracy, a grandma taking a selfie in the Capitol Rotunda, or the guy who hit them in the head with that brick, I think they might have a different opinion. But you will get a completely different answer if you ask the pinky-out, tea-swilling, left-wing, tenure-having lunatic professor on the set of Morning Joe, the biggest threat to democracy is Democrats losing an election to them, which is probably one of the most ironic things you could ever hear in your life. It's just, it's, it's, it's accidentally hilarious and terrifying at the same time. So what do we know about, uh, anyway, back to the Paul Pelosi thing. You watch the story, David DePape or whatever, DePape, DePape, I don't know which, I honestly don't know. I've heard it both ways, nor do I care. I, I just can't bring myself to really care what happened to Paul Pelosi. Not because I wish Paul Pelosi ill. I don't. I don't know Paul Pelosi. Even my political opponents are really become my political enemies. I don't wish them harm physically. I wish them ill electorally. But uh, 
the way that Paul Pelosi's attack has been spun immediately and ascribed to me and people who think like me, I really couldn't care less what happens to Paul Pelosi. I really don't. You're going you're gonna to blame me for this? And he's going to let it happen? He's going to be used as a willing tool? Well, fine. Go ahead. Don't care. Don't care. But what do we know? We know a lot of things about this guy that aren't being reported. We know a lot of things that were reported that weren't true. It was originally, and this is why the fog of the first 48 hours of any story of this sort is so poorly reported. But um, it's been longer. Things are still evolving. That's what's amazing about this is we still, the story is changing. The focus is narrowing. The narrative is becoming clearer. Well, the narrative has always been clear. It's a Republican's fault. But there was a third person there at the beginning of it. Opened the door. But no, that person has disappeared. No, 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 there was no third person there, which then begs the question, because you're not allowed to have questions about the attack on Paul Pelosi, but I can't help but have a whole bunch of questions. First and foremost, if this guy broke in, I've broken a lot of glass in my life, never for breaking and entering. But uh, just general degeneracy of come across glass in the garden. You smash it with rocks. That's what kids do. That was like one of the pastimes when I grew up. I've never seen glass uh, be struck in one direction but sh- shatter in the other. If you know what I mean. Now, maybe there's special glass out there. I don't know. But the story that we were told is this guy broke a window and broke into the Pelosi estate. Now, it's weird because the window that's broken is like two panes. It's literally like a, what do you call those things? It's an end. I don't know. It's like a, like a bay window with a door in it, I guess, be the way to sort of describe it. Two panes of glass down, and they're not very wide. They're probably a couple feet wide. Two panes of glass down is a door. The door is open from the helicopter shot, right? The helicopter shot is all we have to go on. And there's plenty of that footage, and you can watch it on loop. So the glass is broken out, and the door is open. Now, what I find rather curious, maybe a journalist out there would ask a question, but of course they won't. It'd be an important question. Why would the person break glass not on the door? Because you can't open the window that he broke, uh, that was broken. I can't say that he broke it. You can't open that window that was broken and reach the doorknob. You can't, it's too long unless he's Reed Richards or Mr. Plastic or whatever can stretch that far. You can't do it. And besides, the window was broken, but not broken out. Still good chunks of, of window there. So the guy didn't crawl through the window because the window isn't really big enough for someone to easily crawl through. And more importantly and more weirdly, the glass was on the outside of the house as though it were broken from the inside. Say somebody throwing something or something like that. I don't know. I'm just asking questions because, again, I've never seen glass that was punched out or had a rock thrown through it or whatever, where all the shards of glass came back in the direction of 
the projectile or whatever it was, the blunt force trauma that went against the glass. And again, why was that door open? How did that door get open? That guy couldn't reach that door, couldn't crawl through that window, yet the door is open. Maybe police were going in and out of there. Maybe it's that simple. But it's pretty abundantly clear that nobody could fit in that window. Nobody crawled through that thing. So how did this guy get in there? Then we're told that he walked around and said, where's Nancy? This was the thing that made the left absolutely gleeful. Oh, this is, this is the tie to January 6th that we so desperately want. He said, where's Nancy? And on January 6th, they said, I heard a report on the TV or radio yesterday where somebody said they walked around saying, where's Nancy, which is an echo of the uh, January 6th insurrectionist who walked around saying, Nancy, where are you? We're coming to get you or something like that. Like, that's not it's not really the same. It's like saying Ed McMahon's famous line, hey, Johnny, why don't you come out here and tell these people some jokes? That's not the same. But they asked, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? That's what we're told this guy was asking when he entered the house. Now, he entered the house at two something, allegedly, in the morning, managed to break glass in the wrong direction, and ran around asking, where's Nancy, where's Nancy, where's Nancy? And he had zip ties. Oh, he had zip ties. So they say. Well, he was also in his underwear, allegedly. And then uh, now they're saying he wasn't in his underwear. But was he in his? We don't know. Could easily get rid of that, release all the security footage, make those Republicans look like idiots for questioning these things. But they won't, and they haven't curiously but he's running around asking where's nancy and everybody at msnbc they had chills go up their spines oh my god did you know that he was asking where that's exactly what the people did on january the 6th don't you know where's nancy and they were running around saying where where's nancy we want to talk to you and it was nothing close but it involved nancy but if he was saying where's nancy you have to ask yourself who heard this attacker, or alleged attacker, I guess I have to say, who heard him say, where's Nancy? The only other person who was there, allegedly, was Paul Pelosi. Paul Pelosi was, as we've been told, attacked with a hammer. Horrible situation. Attacked with a hammer. Beaten about the head with a hammer to the point that he had multiple skull fractures and needed emergency surgery. So we're supposed to believe, because this was one of the first things that came out in the stories, is that he was walking around saying, where's Nancy, where's Nancy, where's Nancy? We're supposed to believe that Paul Pelosi was denied medical treatment Upon the arrival of the police, they said, we'll get you the medical treatment you clearly desperately need, us having witnessed you being beat about the head with a hammer. But first, before we get you that medical attention, where you're bleeding and you're obviously in severe pain, let us ask you what happened here. 
No, while both people, both participants are alive when the police get there, you don't need to worry about, oh my God, we, if this person isn't going to make it, maybe we need to get a statement from them or there's only one person or maybe somebody got away. or No, there was none of that. The statement could have waited until the emergency life-saving surgery took place. So are we supposed to believe that the San Francisco PD said, wait a second, they're EMS people. We have to ask this guy some questions before you take him off. We need to get a statement like, did he say anything when he first entered the home? Well, he was saying, where's Nancy as he walked around the home? Really? How do you remember this after having been beaten on the head with a hammer? Hmm? Does that make any sense? Now, I don't doubt maybe he did say, where's Nancy, where's Nancy, where's Nancy. But I can't believe that the police would get that from Paul, like, right away. Shouldn't he be getting the medical treatment that he gets? So where did this story come from? We don't know, sources say. Now, the sources, there's only two people, allegedly, in the house at the time. Had to be one of them. Was Paul thinking on his feet, going, we could really use this politically for Democrats come next week? Or was he, was it just made up? Because it was probably just made up. Because it was, it's too useful. It is too perfect for Democrats. Nobody seems to, nobody involved seems to have directly said this. But it was said before the police issued a real any public statement, any official statement. It was being reported, and the media ran with that. Where's Nancy? And then they tied it in. Oh, obviously this guy. He knew it's just like January the 6th. It's nothing like January the 6th. This guy's an illegal alien from Canada. He's a left-wing lunatic. He's obviously mentally deranged. But, hey, what are you going to do? Here's the... Um, I mean, the guy has a sordid history. He should have been in prison. He'd apparently been arrested a whole bunch of times and had run-ins with authorities in San Francisco, but they are a sanctuary city. So if you really want to look for blame, find the liberal policies of San Francisco. New York Post. A man accused of attacking Paul Pelosi with a hammer sexually abused his sons and stepdaughter as children, one of, them alleged, one of the alleged victims claimed in posts online. David de Pape de Pape, 42, was, quote, consumed with darkness. Inti Gonzalez charged on Facebook in a blog post. De Pape allegedly broke into the house of blah, blah, blah. Uh, the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband came as a shock to me, says his stepdaughter, though not much considering the kind of extreme abuse he had inflicted on me and my brothers, the 20-something Gonzalez wrote. Gonzalez described Apopi as someone who, quote, did genuinely try to be a good person, but added, quote, the monster in him was always too strong for him to be safe to be around. I don't understand how you can say that they abused you, but he tried to be a good person. He didn't try to be a good person. The guy obviously has mental problems. She said her mother met Apopi, whom she describes as her father, in Maui while pregnant with her. The couple moved to the Bay Area shortly after Gonzalez was born. They split in 2014 when Gonzalez was 13. Gonzalez said her mother, quote, kicked David out because of his toxic 
behavior. Six months later, Gonzalez's brother, uh, Nebozavod, what? N-E-B-O-S-V-O-D, I don't know how you pronounce that, uh, started to remember their father, quote, physically and sexually abusing me and my brothers, which started when we were very young and continued until around 2008 when Gonzalez was seven, she recalled. Although their mother filed a police report accusing the Pape of abuse, the case was not managed properly, so nothing was done about it, wrote Gonzalez. Now, there should be a nice long paper trail about that. Uh, look into it, investigate it. Although their mother, let's see, she claimed she and her younger brother Daniel also, quote, started getting memories of his abuse. Despite their troubled past, Gonzalez said she still loved De Pape and called him a quiet man who was never violent or yelled or even swore. What the hell? There's a lot going on with this story that nobody wants to talk about. They don't want you to talk. You're not allowed to ask questions. Why? Because where do those questions lead? Where could think of any question involved in this story? Any questions stemming from this story? And then ask yourself, how does that help Democrats? There won't be a question that you can come up with that would help Democrats. And so they've basically banned any questions. And you are a denier. You are an, a sympathizer. You're just as guilty as this guy is if you dare ask the questions. It's really kind of pathetic. Not surprising, but pathetic. Speaking of pathetic, it's... Uh, eh, Let's listen to the vice president of the United States. Saturday morning, I think it was, she uh, waddled over to reporters and said the following. I did talk with Speaker Pelosi this morning, and um, I mean, this was an act of extreme violence. And I think we're looking at at a time in our country where there is so much discourse that is fueled by hate and division. And anyone who professes to be a leader, I think, has to really understand the, the, the meaning and the and the impact of their words and their posture on things like this. Um, I pray for Paul's recovery. Um, I know the Pelosi's, and um, it, this is tragic. Somebody literally broke into their home saying, where's Nancy? And... Um, and I, I strongly believe that we all, each one of us, have to speak out against hate. We have to speak out against violence, obviously, and speak to, to our better selves. There is absolutely room, and it is important to have public discourse when there are disagreements about policy. But what we've been seeing recently is so base in terms of the um, reducing it down to something that I think is beneath the dignity and the intelligence of the American people. Yeah, no, there's... It's just horrible. It's just horrible. Yeah, she never said anything, as far as I noticed, about the guy who traveled across the country to try and kill Supreme Court justices. But she's trying to kill Supreme Court justices that Kamala Harris kind of wished were dead. So it's different. It's just different. She didn't call Brett Kavanaugh, because why would she? Why would she? She was prepared, probably, you know, prepared to make a statement about how the murder of Brett Kavanaugh was terrible. She would have done that. 
But the attempted murder of Brett Kavanaugh, that's like disappointing. That's like issuing, that's like having a parade for your team that loses the World Series. Why would you do that? You got the vice president absolutely going, oh, this is terrible, this political rhetoric. She didn't, surprisingly, I assume staff had to stop Kamala from running to her Twitter account and tweeting out a link to raise bail for Paul Pelosi's attacker, right? That's what she did during the BLM Antifa riots. She tweeted out, oh, hey, if you can help these people with bail money, that'd be great. And here's a link to the Wisconsin Victory Fund. They got child molesters out of jail. They got all kinds of... Kamala Harris got a whole bunch of really horrible people released from prison in the name of tolerance. But nobody in the left seems to care that this guy uh, appears to be still held. Why is that? It's weird. You attack somebody in the streets of San Francisco, uh, not named Pelosi, and you'll be out in hours. In New York, you can shove people, you can body check people onto the tracks in a subway platform, and uh, you'll be home in time for lunch. But if you attack a Democrat in good standing, allegedly, and a narrative is constructed around you, that the Democratic Party believes is useful to them, you will, may well never be heard from again. Honestly, where, where are they? Where's habeas corpus? Where is the, the, the arraignment? Where is the anything with this guy? It's been a couple of days. Shouldn't there be something? Shouldn't there? It's weird that there isn't. But meanwhile, the pearl clutching continues. Governor Glenn Youngkin out hitting the campaign trail. They're trying to make hay out of this. The left really is just a a whole bunch of sissies. Just honestly, pearl clutchers. They they are fused. Their hands have fused to their pearls. They are so outraged by everything. Glenn Youngkin at a campaign event made a comment about it. It's actually a nice comment. Then he said, we're going to send Nancy home to be with him. Why? Because it's a political rally. That's what you do at political rallies. But listen to, well, first of all, see if you have any problem with what Governor Youngkin said. And the voters are getting ready to stand up again and said, we have had enough, enough of Abigail Spanberger, enough of Joe Biden. And uh, listen, I want to stop for a minute and and uh, listen, Speaker Pelosi's husband, uh, they had a break in last night in their house and he was assaulted. There's no room for violence anywhere, but we're going to send her back to be with him in California. That's what we're going to go do. That's what we're going to go do. Yeah, that's what we're going to go do. It's a political rally. We're going to send her back to go home. We're going to win anyway. Who cares? You don't suddenly go, oh, well, her, her husband was attacked. Let's give up. We surrender. Please vote Democrat. No. I want some I want some evidence on this attack, by the way, but it doesn't matter. Chris Saliza over at CNN. God, he's he's awful. He's like the chief political correspondent over at CNN. He tweeted this out. He still has not apologized. Governor Youngkin. He hasn't apologized. Apologized for what? What do you have to apologize for in that in that clip you heard there? Oh, my God, the horror, the horror of 
We're going to send her back and we're going to beat Nancy Pelosi. The left-wing media has started digging through a bunch of Republican commercials. I saw this over the It's not working, by the way. And they're getting very frustrated that it's not getting traction and that people are mocking them on social media. And that's why they're really mad that like Elon Musk owns Twitter now because they used to just shoot an email over to the head of the safety team and, and people's tweets would be throttled and people would be shut down. And now they can't happen anymore. That is like a free exchange of ideas. It's almost, it's like crazy. But they're very upset that people are saying mean things and not, not buying it. One reporter was like, here's all the things where the uh, Republicans said they were going to fire Pelosi. They're going to fire Pelosi. Like, yeah, what does that have to do with... They didn't say, we're going to hammer attack Pelosi in her sleep. Now, you show me an ad where they go, we Republicans are going to hammer attack Nancy Pelosi in her sleep in her San Francisco mansion. Let's go. Then I would say, well, that's a little bit problematic. But we're going to fire Pelosi. Fire the people who spent years and years and years talking about, oh, the... uh, the Russian P-tape is totally real, and it's horrible, and Donald Trump is a monster. Those very same people are sitting here saying, you have to believe a conspiracy theory. It is conspiracy theorists out there saying that, that, uh, that, that Paul Pelosi was in his underwear. Paul Pelosi was in his underwear. Release the body cam footage. No, we can't do that. Why? Why not? Well, because it's not. If the truth isn't helpful, you know, the truth is either helpful to your cause or it isn't not certain degree of truthfulness is helpful but don't get too truthful either the truth is on your side or it isn't on your side if the truth is on your side then you literally will call for everything being released as as quickly as possible and including what i haven't heard weirdly is any condemnation of the guy who did the attack allegedly that's what's weird about it the people who are outraged and pissed off about the attack on Paul Pelosi are not pissed off and angry and outraged at the guy who did it. They're outraged at their political opponents who had nothing to do with it whatsoever. That's If you really want to sit there and go, I'm smelling some serious BS here, that would be a pretty damn good indication as to why, a pretty good reason why. Like, wait a second. If somebody harms my family member, I'm not pissed at the guy down the block who has the El Camino on the blocks that's, you know, damaging property values as I try to sell my home. I'm not mad at that guy because he had nothing to do with it. If I'm mad at that guy, I would suspect that at a minimum, I didn't really care. That person didn't really care too much for their family if their reaction is some, I'm mad at somebody who had literally nothing to do with this, right? They're using it for politics, ladies and gentlemen. Asking questions is not allowed. Making comments is not allowed. The CNN reporter will say you still haven't apologized. Maybe asking questions will become legal again around January, or I mean uh, November the 9th, not before. Like I say, in, in time we'll know more about what happened, but I don't think anybody will ever bother to really thoroughly look, as long as it still serves the Democratic Party. You remember... Uh, Harry Reid back when he was alive now he's down in hell so you know wear clogs and tap hard to say hi to Harry he went down there on the floor of the Senate in 2012 and did what he said, oh, the word is the word's out man 
Mitt Romney hasn't even paid taxes in years. He doesn't pay any taxes. Doesn't do this. Doesn't do that. Doesn't do the other thing. Accused Mitt Romney of a whole bunch of crimes. He did so on the floor of the United States Senate, knowing that the speech and debate clause of the Constitution had him immunized against any consequences whatsoever for his lies. He didn't do it out at the podium at the press area in the Senate, and he wouldn't repeat them out there, weirdly, because he knew he was lying. And then when Mitt Romney lost, and eventually it was, you know, Harry Reid was called out for it in an interview with CNN, said, yeah, he has accused Mitt Romney of not paying his taxes. He knew he paid his taxes, and and his answer was, well, he didn't win, did he? He didn't win, did he? That's the attitude. Look, don't say anything. Don't ask any questions. Don't answer. As long as we win, who cares? Ruin these people. Lie about them. Do whatever. James Hodgkinson doesn't exist. Over the weekend, I was on uh, Al Jazeera again. And it was through an interpreter. I don't even know who this woman was that I was arguing with. Uh, Dr. Sloan or something. She seemed like a really horrible person. And she kept on talking about all the right-wing political violence, the right-wing political violence, right-wing political... First of all, she doesn't know squat about this attack. She doesn't care. She saw an opportunity. The memo went out. The hive mind doesn't need to be ordered to do anything. It simply obeys. Blah, 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 blah. Political violence. And she kept going back to uh, whatever... I don't even remember. Gabby Giffords and the other... None of it was true. But I kept mentioning James Hodgkinson. It was hard to argue with her because it was through a translator and it was the same translator. So the translator would translate her and then he would translate me. And like we couldn't, if there was two translators, maybe we could have done it. The audience would have been completely clueless as to what was going on otherwise. But uh, she missed James Hodgkinson. She had no concern whatsoever for the guy who tried to kill the MSNBC viewer who tried to kill the Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. No interest in that whatsoever. None. Didn't care. They did Those attacks didn't exist. History begins anew every single day, and only the parts of it that the left want to exist, exist. It's that simple. That's how these people work. And you sit there and you go, well, how can they get it? They can't get away with this forever, can they? Yes, they can. <laughs> they, well, they'll get along with it, get away with it as long as they need to. They defended Bill Clinton for a long, long time. Remember that? That uh, one reporter said, oh, if Bill Clinton protects abortion, I'll get down on my knees and do what Monica did. I'll do, I don't care. And all these other people, they just ignored it. Bill, Ch- Bill Clinton left the White House still as a champion of women. Still as a champion of women. They loved him. They loved him for fundraising. They loved him for speeches. They did this. They did that. They did the other thing. They rallied around his wife. They did all these things. And then what happened? Me Too happened after Hillary lost. Me Too. Democrat super donor and friend of the Clintons, Harvey Weinstein, friend of all Democrats, Harvey Weinstein, spending probably the rest of his life in jail, as he should. All of the people, you pretty much can find, you name anybody who has been... uh, Damaged, destroyed, imprisoned, sued, whatever, for from the Me Too movement. And you'll find a picture of them with prominent Democrats. Everybody out of Hollywood. Like, oh, yeah, no, we're totally perverts. Oh, okay. Hey, there's Kevin Spacey and Barack Obama. They're good friends until just the other day. And then what happened? Oh, that's weird. They all just kind of disappear them. It's very Soviet. They'll airbrush them out of photographs. And they'll airbrush the photograph out of existence. They'll do anything they have to do 
in order to win. They rewrite history. I'm looking right now. Time Magazine, today, quote, Ted Kennedy's legacy will always be tainted by his failures, and yet, above all, his is a towering parabolic story of resilience, writes John A. Farrell. You're sitting there going, what the hell are you talking about? And that's what it is. John A. Farrell is author of Ted Kennedy, A Life. Oh. New book about Ted Kennedy talks about, oh, yeah, sure, he was not perfect, but then who among us was? That's the way they do Don't you love when they frame things that way? You know, Ted Kennedy wasn't perfect, but uh, who among us was? Well, I mean, no one is, obviously, but we didn't all kill a woman. You know, like so uh, I, while I'm not perfect... I'm better than Ted. All right, can we just stipulate that everybody who hasn't killed a woman is is better than Ted, at least on the woman-killing scale? Can we do that? I get that there's relativism, and the left loves relativism. But on, on that one, let's just say that if you killed a woman, you're about on the same level as Ted Kennedy. But if you didn't kill a woman, and how about this? I haven't cheated on my wife. If you haven't cheated on your wife, haven't been married multiple times, if you didn't engage in a waitress sandwich with Chris Dodd, you're better than Ted Kennedy. Okay, it doesn't matter how he voted on legislation. Okay, he oh, he voted on this legislation. He voted right. See, that's the thing is the left forgives any and everybody of their sins provided they vote in the proper manner. That's it. Unless you become a liability to the cause, at which point they'll kind of eh, shunt you aside a little bit. Now, I know some of you are probably going, waitress sandwich, waitress, what are you talking about, waitress sandwich, Chris Dodd, who's Chris Dodd? Chris Dodd was a senator out of Connecticut, a contemporary of Teddy Kennedy's. He was on the, uh, he was appointed by Joe Biden. This tells you how little these people actually still to this day give a damn about anything they profess to care deeply about. He was appointed by Joe Biden to be on the uh, committee searching for an acceptable vice president, which was a pretty easy search because the search was find me a black woman. That was it. That was the search. Those were the orders. That's what Joe Biden said he would do to, in order to win votes, to buy votes in the primary and the identity politics bowl. That's what he said he would do. So I'm not sure how far and wide they had to search. Because they came up with the obvious choice. But Chris Dodd, as senator from Connecticut back in the, uh, I think it was the early 80s, with Ted Kennedy. Both of them had drinking problems, allegedly. There was a restaurant, and it's a shame that it's closed now because it was a good restaurant. I've eaten there a couple of times. Not very often. It was directly across the street from the Heritage Foundation. So it was, you know, right, one of the few restaurants right there when I started working there. I only went there a few times because it was very expensive, and I usually went there when somebody with the uh, organizational credit card was buying. But it was good food, French restaurant, called La Brasserie. On one day in the early 80s, I believe, Ted Kennedy and Chris Dodd lit out of their minds went to La Brasserie, and we're sitting upstairs. It's more private upstairs because you're upstairs. You walk in, and you're not immediately in everybody's face the way you are downstairs. There's a waitress working there, 
And they kept making jokes about her, kept reaching out and trying to grab her. It was a different time. Me Too had not even been dreamed of. All of those stereotypical things you saw from Mad Men were what these Democrats, these two Democrats in good standing were doing. These these two feminist Democrats, by the way. They're very, very pro-choice. Why? Because they don't want to wear condoms and they don't want to have any illegitimate kids. That's why they're pro-choice. And they got the money to, to cut the check. But uh, they grabbed this waitress. And with one of the senators sitting on a chair, threw her on his lap. Well, it depends on the telling of the story. It either happened on a table or it happened on a chair. And the other one climbed up behind her. And they made a waitress sandwich with Senator Ted Kennedy and Senator Chris Dodd as the bread. Now, that's a hell of a visual. But it happened. Nobody ever denied it happened. In fact, they acknowledged it happened at various times. It was a big joke. It was a big hoot up there on Capitol Hill for actually all the way through, at least when I was there, probably longer, because that was okay. That was acceptable for politicians, particularly Democrat politicians. It didn't matter. You had members of the media seven years earlier saying, I would do what Monica did for you, Bill, if you just keep abortion legal. So who's going to get really upset about two old men grinding their crotches up against an unwilling, lowly peon waitress? I mean, aside from the waitress, she was allegedly in tears. She didn't like it very much, but the senators did, and it became the stuff of legend. This was not, This was done in public. This was not unknown to the reporting class, to journalists, they just didn't report it. Why? Because they're on the team, man. They're on the team. That's what it's all about. I worked with a guy who, uh, he was, a, he's now, I forget, he's a big muckety-muck somewhere. And so he worked at the Washington Post for a while. I was like the head of their sales. He'd been around Washington for, I think he grew up, he grew up in Louisiana. That's right. But he uh, he was a congressional page in the late 70s and early 80s, like 79, 80 in that area. And he tells stories. I can't believe he hasn't written this book. I can't believe this book hasn't been written. He tells stories of members of Congress having sex with congressional pages. Bunch of men having sex with young boys. Now, these boys are 15, 16 years old. And it was known. There were certain members of Congress. Gary Stubbs is one of them who uh, I believe Gary Stubbs was uh, rebuked. What the hell was it? He was was censured. I think it was Gary Stubbs for having sex with an underage boy. It was known. It was no big deal. In fact, Gary Stubbs, if I remember correctly, stood up and turned his back to the well of the House of Representatives as they voted to censure him. It was a big just showing his butt to them, going, to hell with you people. He wasn't expelled from Congress. He got inappropriate with young boys. And according to this friend of mine, it was not uncommon in boys and girls. It was just like a key party in the United States uh, House of Representatives. All those people, the story hasn't been written. There's no way it wasn't known. 
Democrats controlled the House back then. Tip O'Neill was the speaker. Can't make Tip O'Neill look bad. Can't make Democrats look bad. You've just got to pretend that what happened didn't happen. Look, Ted Kennedy had his flaws, but, you know, well, yeah, you think dropping trow at the estate down in Florida while his nephew was allegedly raping him. Like that. Remember that? Like what is the the Kennedy rape trial in the nineties, I think it was. Ted Kennedy drunk off his ass walking around with no pants on and everybody just goes, Well that's just that's how Ted is. What do you what do you want? He's a single guy. He just left his wife. I don't know how many times he was married, but it didn't matter. Never really seemed to bother him. One, you know, there's one consistent thing about the Kennedys is they don't let a thing like marriage stand in the way of their sex lives. You know, you got to really admire that. Like, I'm committed to my social life no matter what, as every devout Catholic like the Kennedys does. You sit there and you wonder why we on the right look at political class with such contempt. Maybe their political class should find a reflective surface at some point and just go, my God, we're horrible. We're frauds. We're lies. We're... Nah. They look at the reflective surface and go, you're good looking. What are you going to do to make even more money today? To make the story even weirder about the Pelosi's, now this is really very bizarre. There's a state senator out there named Scott Weiner. Now, I've talked about Scott Weiner a lot in the past he's the guy who decriminalized knowingly giving somebody the uh, AIDS virus it, 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 that was one of his big legislative accomplishments was saying that hey uh, it used to be a felony to have unprotected sex with somebody if you're HIV positive and you don't tell them that you're HIV positive so that they can make a, an informed decision he, he decriminalized that and was a big celebrate it's like that's one of his major legislative accomplishments I'm not sure how you can do that. Now you can now you can keep it a secret and you can give people AIDS. Congratulations. Um, but he also like made it okay for adults. He passed a law to make it okay for adults to sleep with uh, 16-year-olds, I think. It's just very, very bizarre priorities that this dude has. It's uh, pretty kind of gross, really, his legislative accomplishments. But he is on record saying, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I know the attacker. Like, what? Yeah. This from uh, Fox News. California State Senator says he remembers Paul Pelosi's alleged attacker from 2013 nudist protest. Yeah. State Senator, California State Senator Scott Weiner, a Democrat, said he remembers Paul Pelosi's alleged attacker from nudist protests in 2013 relating to the implementation of a San Francisco ban on public nudity. Paul DePape, 42, is accused of attacking Paul Pelosi, the husband of blah, blah, blah. San Francisco Police Chief uh, William Scott said DePage is being charged with attempted homicide. Blah, blah, blah. Get to the stupid point of this story. Wiener, a California state senator in the San Francisco area, told Fox News Digital that he remembers DePage from the pro-nudist protests in 2013. Quote, he looked very familiar to me when they were dealing with the public nudity issues in 2012, 2013. So this guy's known as sort of a kook and a crackpot around San Francisco in circles that uh, you know, I'll never believe that the Pelosi's aren't rolling with the uh, the wieners there. 
All these leftists out there in the power structure in San Francisco, they all roll in the same circles. And this guy knew him. And it's weird. Okay, so this guy's in the country illegally. This guy is, um, let's see, DePape was associated with this woman by the name of Gypsy Tob, who was like this very creepy person who, in addition to her activism around public nudity, was a 9-11 denier. <laughs> she was a ringleader. She was extremely aggressive and creepy, and I think she was one of the uh, the people in her work. Okay. So the guy's got clear mental problems. The guy's living in a sort of a flophouse commune with a bunch of left-wing activists. He's in the country illegally, apparently. Who knows? That might not hold up over time. All this stuff seems to change pretty dramatically. And at some point, shouldn't somebody say, well, it's a, a symptom of the breakdown of the mental health system in this country as pushed by liberals. We need to get rid of the mental... You're locking up people. You're imprisoning people. They sh- okay, great. They demanded institutions be shuttered and people be freed because it was oppression. And all of those people ended up living on the streets, homeless. Congratulations. I know, you're sitting there, well, conservatives didn't have a problem f- with cutting the... Fu-. No, they didn't. But they didn't push for it. Democrats push for it under the name of justice, under the banner of justice. How many injustices have been committed under the banner of injustice? As with most of the things that liberals do, when they declare themselves to be doing something for a reason, it is generally either deliberately or through utter incompetence that the opposite ends up happening, isn't it? Just saying. It's true. You know it's true. But you sit there and you watch this mess and you go, well, man, we could really clear this up if you just release the security footage. We could really get to the bottom of this if they just released the security footage. And you know there is. You know there is. Or at least police body cam footage. And they aren't. They aren't even. What's amazing is the media doesn't even seem to be asking for it. The media doesn't even seem to be asking for it. They couldn't get police footage fast enough in every sort of left, you know, left-wing celebrity case that they could possibly imagine, right? As soon as they got that footage, what did they do? They interrupted regular broadcasts. Here's, here's Derek Chauvin being a monster. Okay, well, let's watch that. It's inflammatory. It's not particularly informative because we know everything that's on that tape. But here it is. Actually, here's the video of everything we know. Okay. Yeah, no, this is worse. This is worse. This is worse because you're seeing it. Okay. Well, here's a case where any kind of footage could clear things up. It could clear things up. And they're not even asking for it. They're not demanding it. Very curious, one might think, that there is something to hide. Now, I would look like a fool if the security footage were out there already. And I said, it looks like they have something to hide. And the security footage shows exactly what happened he's breaking into the house but the security footage isn't out there there's got to be a reason for it what is that reason why would the democrats why would nancy pelosi miss an opportunity to make all of her republican critics look like fools let that sink in ladies and gentlemen anyway that is enough for today it's halloween gotta get the kids out trick-or-treat and get them all sugar hide and all that good stuff i appreciate you listening have yourself a wonderful well day after halloween brush your teeth young man and women you're gonna 
rot your teeth out of your head. And we'll be back here to do it all over again tomorrow. Thank you.